This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Welcome to a brand new Proton Pack podcast. It is episode 74. We're talking San Diego Comic-Con at-home highlights today. I'm Christian, and with me always is the Grogu to my Luke Skywalker. Say hey, Tone. Hey, guys. It's good to be back for Don't do that. Another fun-filled episode. Ready to do my part, General Skywalker. Absolutely. Well, we encourage you guys to follow us, subscribe, uh, you know, just find us anywhere you can online. You can see if you're watching us, uh, Proton Pack Podcast, anywhere you get social media, you can go to the NGBN.TV app and uh, smart TV mobile application, download the Phoenix Media channel from there, get us and other great shows as well. And you know what, Tone? I think this would be a good time for us with as much time as we can to get into our review of the Loki season finale and a little bit on the assembled making of afterwards. So uh, I like it. It's been a couple of weeks since we've seen the finale of Loki. It was highly anticipated. You know, I know we were sitting on the edge of our seats waiting for that finale to come out and it did not disappoint, at least for me, you know, it was a great lead up to the end. We got a, a wonderful reveal and I think it's long enough now that, Everybody knows who the big bad of it was. Uh, he who was, remains, also known as a variant of Kang the Conqueror, who we will see later on, uh, played by Jonathan Majors, who did a wonderful job. He was quirky and wacky, and you can tell he's been cooped up in that castle for a long time and just really wanted somebody to talk to. But uh, it was great to see Sylvie's journey, Loki's journey, and then, of course, you know, it left us with a huge sort of cliffhanger that sets up the whole rest of phase four, probably phase five and six as well. Um, I would have to say for me, Loki as a whole and the finale, probably the best of the Marvel series so far. I loved WandaVision. I really enjoyed uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, but Loki was hands down my favorite. I was just sad we didn't get to see Mobius on a jet ski. What was your take, Tone? Loved it. Uh, the ending was fantastic. You know, while WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't do much to shake up the MCU, Loki definitely did. Um, yeah. You know, definitely having uh, get there. And the minute that you saw Jonathan Majors, which we already knew would be playing Kang the Conqueror and Ant-Man and uh, the Wasp in Mania, which will come out next year, I believe. Yeah. Um, so we knew he was going to be the big bad. So when you saw him, I was like, it's Kang, but it's not king in that particular moment as that's like you said he who remains he's just a variant and i i love they said uh you know why don't you guys just take this over because in the end i'm just going to come back here anyways it's just going to be a different variant and you're not going to like which one comes next and uh it's just crazy to think uh all the the craziness like if you really want to just wrap your brain around some silly stuff you think about Loki and the way like this changes everything. Like it almost takes, you know, the infinity saga, you know, like that whole thing, 
was just that was a chapter in the MCU now. Like that was a whole novel. This is a whole new book because everything they did there is gone. It's it's about to be undone, wiped, you name it. There's so many different timelines now. We got at the end when he's talking to Mobius and he goes, We messed up and he's like, Who are you? You're an analyst, right? <laughs> wow. You're an analyst. So Wow. You know, the whole thing is like oh, crap, that's not Mobius. And that was another fun twist because you're like, oh, no, it's a different timeline. Crap. And it reveals that giant statue of Kang, the Conqueror, in place where the timekeepers were. Um, It was just like I'm still getting chills based on that. Oh, it was so crazy. Just then Miss Minutes is like she's like actually really a bad one and all that. It's just so nuts how the whole thing was and – uh, just the way it tied up and the way him and Sylvie, they finally got their kiss and you're like, oh my gosh. And then she pushed him through the uh, portal and then she went ahead and killed uh, He Who Remains. And unfortunately, it just all unravels. Yeah. But, you know, you can go back in time and that might not have been it. It's, uh, you know, there's theories out there that say Steve Rogers going back in time messed up the timeline too because yep. there was the lookalike Peggy Carter in the beginning of uh, the first episode of Loki that looked like her being pulled in as a variant. And uh, I just can't wait. I'm so glad we're getting a second season. And I know there'll be things answered. I, you know, we got so much coming out. I don't know where Shang-Chi falls in line with this and what if and really. all that. Yeah. But you know, it's all it's all heading towards something. And my God, what a series! So good, worth the watch. Loved it. A plus, definitely my favorite of the series. It was fantastic. It was so good. And then you know, you got the the Sylvie and you know this variant version of Loki, who uh, you know by the end they basically played their roles. You know, and and Loki said it that you you can't trust and I can't be trusted. And that's you know what led to their fight and the ultimate killing of uh, he who remains. Right. If you're Whoa, like, what a bad day for Loki too, huh? Oh, I know. He's there. <laughs> he's there. He has, you know, the battle of New York in 2012. He gets the Tesseract disappears. He's caught by the TVA falls in love. And here we are. <laughs> and real quick, I'll touch on assembled. That was the making of documentary that came out uh, the week after. And uh, it was great to see, I mean, how much Tom Hiddleston, embodies this character, does the research and and really, you know, helped the other new actors uh, get on board with what his journey was. And then the fact that they filmed all of this through COVID and, and uh, you know, the pandemic, really interesting to see. And, uh, you know, they even dropped a few little things in there when, you know, they interviewed Jonathan Majors and Tom Hiddleston. And so it'll be fun to see where they take it. If you like behind the scenes stuff like we do, that's well worth checking out. Assembled is fantastic. Great show. Only gripe with Assembled was that they didn't even touch on Miss Minutes. No, yeah, they never interviewed Tara Strong, had her on there at all. You're right. Nope. nope. You're right. They did not do that. (laughs) I I would agree with you on that gripe. But definitely if you guys check it out, it's on Disney+. Plus. Um, Very neat to see the sets they built just for something as simple as that uh, that town when they're trying to escape the rocket ship. Right. And just that one shot. Yeah. Yeah. Just all for that. Crazy. So neat. Well, folks, that does it for the first segment. Just flies by like that. When we come back, we will be back with uh, TV news. So don't go anywhere. We'll see you in just a few. Oh, my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh-huh. 
It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! With an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig it! Welcome back, folks, to the Proton Pack Podcast. We just finished up with our review of Loki season finale and uh, the assembled docu uh, making of documentary that came out after that. And if I'm not mistaken, next Wednesday is the first episode of What If, right? Uh, no, the 11th. Oh. So we still got, uh, what is this? Uh, next week is the 4th. So yeah, the 11th. Oh, okay. Two weeks. Two weeks. Got to wait a little bit longer. Luckily, we have the bad batch. Maybe they'll do a, like a Legends to lead up, but Legends doesn't really work for a what if because it's just a what if. It's that's, just a recap. Of and I, I just part. don't know what what if is going to be like. I know it's just alternate verses, but how is that going to tie into the MCU? I'm excited to see. Uh, I think we're as long as it doesn't yeah, as long as it doesn't weeks. disappoint like the uh, the twist in uh, Master of the Universe, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole nother topic that we don't yeah, have time to get into. We don't have time. We'll get into that another time. Yeah. What we do have time for is, well, TV news. Bazinga. Call the cream of the crop. <laughs> hey, baby. Let's go, Bob. Excellent. Hail to the king, baby. So as I mentioned, Boom, <laughs> as I mentioned at the top of the show, today's show is a recap highlights of San Diego Comic Con at home, which was this past weekend. Not a whole bunch of big news, but uh, enough to keep us satisfied. Obviously, the big news will come with D twenty three, DC Fandom, but uh, you know a, a few recognizable names that uh, we got some information on. For instance, we now have the release date and title for the Dexter revival. Um, with its panel that just came. And the official title is now Dexter New Blood, will premiere on Showtime on November 7th, 2021. The 10-episode Dexter revival is set 10 years after Dexter went missing in the eye of Hurricane Laura. The character is now living under an assumed name in upstate New York, far from his original home in Miami. The Dexter revival is technically considered a closed-ended revival, though it does continue the original series, which ended with a controversial series finale in 2013 that is still very polarizing for fans. The revival's new series uh, regulars include Clancy Brown as the primary villain, villain, Julia Jones as the town's chief of police, Alano Miller as the sergeant high school uh, wrestling coach, Johnny Sequoia as the chief's daughter, uh, and Jack Alcott as Randall, someone with whom Dexter has a meaningful encounter. As previously reported, John Lithgow will be returning as the Trinity Killer. Don't know how. Lithgow previously offered up some insights about his return, as news of Jennifer Carpenter, who played Dexter's sis- sister on the original series, also brought more veterans back to the show. 
Um, I'm excited for the revival. I hope they sort of uh, retcon what sort you know happened in the uh, series finale that happened back in 2013. I have no idea how they're going to include John, Jonathan Lithgow or Jennifer Carpenter based on the way that was left. But uh, Tony, November 7th, you tuning in? Oh, heck yeah. I want to see it. Now, here's a couple of things they could do with it. You could pull a full Roseanne. Like, remember, they killed Dan off. They just forgot. Like, they just omitted like that never happened. Then right. They just moved on. You could do that. I, you know, like I, you could do that with Deb and then Deb's back. You, you could do it with her. With Trinity Killer, I almost feel like it. it'll be like his dark passenger, you know, like how he had Harry was his good conscience. And you could even have Deb as the new good conscience because there's no talk of Harry coming back. So maybe Deb's replaced that role uh, to keep him sane, like to, to make the the good judgment. And then you kind of got the Trinity killer as the dark, like do it, you know, he deserves I was going to say, yeah, maybe you've got kind of a conscience thing, the angel and the demon on each of his shoulders. Yeah, that's one way where you could still keep the, um, the, you know, the, the, the canon of the story and do that. Or you could just simply just say, yeah, F that last season, this is where we're at. (laughs) That works too. I mean, it's fine. The last season sucks so bad. The finale was terrible. And season three with John, John Lithgow, uh, my favorite. Oh, the Trinity killer was awesome. Yeah. So good. Which is weird. You would think he would keep uh, Rita would be like his good passenger, you know? Right. Cause that was like his love, you know, that was the mom of his, you know, they had a kid together, all that good stuff. And then to find her hor- horrifically murdered in that bathtub, yikes. You'll never forget when you saw that scene. You're like, oh. Nope. <laughs> and hopefully we find out what happened to his kid as well because yeah, who knows? Yeah, he's down in Miami Beach, I'm sure. <laughs> the slice <laughs> of life. <laughs> well, going from one uh, serial killer to another. No, I'm just kidding about that. Uh, it's been announced that a new Pokemon series is in early development at Netflix. Details about the plot are still nestled firmly inside a Pokeball, but sources say that Lucifer's Joe Henderson is attached to write and executive produce. Sources close to the project say that uh, it's a live action effort, much like 2019's Pokemon Detective Pikachu, starring Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith. The newly announced Pokemon project is bound to have fans of the beloved RPG franchise freaking out because everyone knows that you can never have too much Pokemon. Henderson currently serves as co-showrunner and executive producer on Netflix's Lucifer, which is getting ready to unleash its sixth and final season. Henderson is also busy developing a series adaptation of the comic book Shadecraft for Netflix. Uh, Tony, I know you're a huge Lucifer fan. Um, the series, not the... Right, not the devil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, it was enjoyable. Uh, what do you think about uh, sort of that mashup there and then bringing a live action series to Netflix? I think it's great um, for fans of Pokemon. Uh, the movie wasn't bad. It's not for me per se, but, um, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's great for Netflix to have more original shows. They got to compete with all the other streaming networks out there. Yeah. So good for them. And it's a good property. It's uh, yeah. So it's a win for the fans of the franchise for sure. For me definitely. personally, it doesn't phase, but. <laughs> and uh, I doubt we'll see uh, Ryan Reynolds back as uh, Pikachu. He's yeah, I doubt it. He, yeah, you're going to have to kind of change that up. So, yeah, yeah. I uh, don't know if it's going to be a continuation. And obviously, as we get more information, we'll let you guys know. But, uh, you know, let's move from Netflix over to HBO Max, where uh, I know this was a uh, comic book series that had a lot of people concerned and uh, obviously you know, voice loud opinions. But uh, there are rumors that Michael B. Jordan might be suiting up as the Man of Steel for some time. But the actor has typically denied them, 
Although Jordan won't be uh, taking to the skies for the Taneshi Coates Penn Superman movie, it's possible he may be involved in a separate Superman project. According to Collider, Michael B. Jordan and his production company, Outlier Society, are developing their own black Superman project for HBO Max that centers on the Val Zod incarnation of the character. Collider sources say that an unnamed writer is currently working on the script and that the project is being developed as a limited series for HBO Max. Michael B. Jordan will produce the project and Collider states that he may also star in the series, but hasn't officially committed to that aspect just yet. While the Superman movie written by Ta-Nehisi Coates and produced by J.J. Abrams will be reimagined version of the Clark Kent character, Jordan's project will be centered around Val Zod, a Kryptonian from Earth 2, whose parents were executed by the Kryptonian court and who, took late, uh, who later took the mantle of Superman upon his arrival on Earth. Um, and, you know, I'm... I'm one of those people who you're at a loss for words. You're like, yeah, you know, yeah. Don't change what we know about a character. For instance, the movie project that they're talking about, where it's a reimagining of Clark Kent. I'm less enthused about that than this Michael B. Jordan character, uh, uh, character being developed, Val Zod, who, you know, he's got the same Kryptonian powers. He is a different character completely from what we know of Clark Kent and Superman. And it makes for just a larger story overall. that uh, really won't people on it. Put people on edge. Yeah, I think when you try to reimagine things, it doesn't always work. Uh, Snake Eyes is a great example. You know, the hardcore G.I. Joe fan uh, is not likely to love the movie Snake Eyes because if you followed the story growing up, that's not how he was and that's not what became of him. But, uh, you know, they took liberties, they had the property, they told their story. And uh, I like the casting of Michael B. Jordan in this. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's it's a great role. To have, you know, an African-American Superman-esque character is fantastic. It's, and he's a wonderful you know, actor, too. Yeah, he is. He was great in Black Panther. You know, he wasn't even bad as Johnny Storm in that terrible Fantastic Four. He was just a victim of a really bad script in a really bad movie. And it's not his He was part. probably the he best was. part of it. Yeah, he wasn't bad at all. So I think it's great for him. He's, he's a fantastic actor. I think the show will be good, but I agree with you. I think when you mess with source material and then you take liberties and stuff, it's bad. Why don't you just tell your own story? Why don't you take in a reimagination? And, and we'll get into that later with our trailer of the week, where I mean with that, taking the original source material, but yet making it your own exactly. while still saying to that. There's ways to do that. So Couldn't agree more, Tone. I would say that, yeah. But, you know, nonetheless, it for HBO Max, a good win, though. I mean, it's something I would check out. I'd, I'd be yeah, interested in it for sure. Yeah. Totally. And then finally, moving from uh, HBO Max over to Disney Plus with a uh, series that we're excited for season three on. And, of course, we alluded to a little bit at the top of the show. An officially licensed poster based on The Mandalorian has been released that depicts Luke Skywalker and Grogu building a lightsaber. The Mandalorian season two concluded at the end of last year bringing an end to a season filled to the brim with cameos and Easter eggs from Star Wars fans. While the studio has yet to confirm a concrete release date for the show's third season, there are reports The Mandalorian Season 3 is currently filming. In an action-packed finale, the last few minutes of The Mandalorian Season 2, see the titular Mandalorian handing off his infant companion Grogu to Luke Skywalker to be trained in the ways of the Force. Fans were elated to see a young Luke Skywalker in action once again, excited by the implications that a Skywalker-trained Grogu presents for Star Wars lore. Uh, now, the poster obviously was done for Comic-Con at home, and just 
looking through, it doesn't necessarily say how you can get your hands on it, but uh, we'll post a link up there so you can see it. And maybe it's even a little tease for yeah. uh, what we'll see in season three. Yeah, I like the look of it. I like how Grogu is like looking up at the bits and pieces of the lightsaber there. And you got Luke, a young Luke, with a little bit of the force, I would imagine, the uh, the yellow orb in his hand. That yellow kyber crystal. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's cool. That's beautiful artwork as Star Wars tends to have, you know, for their posters. Um, I'm excited for Mandalorian. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think they do kind of got to branch away from the Grogu a bit. Uh they told the story. Now it's time to uh, go on a new mission. I, of course, I want them to cross paths at some point, right, but right. but you and do got to kind of you kind of go on a different story now. Yeah, and I was going to say maybe they do diverging storylines where they tell Grogu's story, the Mandalorian story, and then by the season finale, they come back together. Yeah, which I would like. I to look see. forward to it. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm all for it. Hey, the Star Wars show, the shows with Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau behind it, all fantastic. You cannot so go wrong with any of it. So, so A+. Plus. Yep. Well, folks, that does it for the TV portion of the show. Stay tuned after the break. We'll be talking movie news at Box Office Report, so don't go anywhere. And welcome back, folks, to the Proton Pack podcast before the break. We talked a little TV news. We're about to get into movie news, but not before we bring you all, well, the weekend box office report. Taking the top spot was a movie neither of us expected. The M. Night Shyamalan Old took it, uh, the number one spot with an estimated opening of $16.5 million. Um, let's see. What a twist! I, we didn't call that one last week. No, we figured that'd be at least two or three somewhere in there. But uh, it's also made $6.5 million from international audiences for a worldwide total of $23 million. Obviously not his biggest score. Uh, no. It was actually even less than his previous low, which was Lady in the Water. But given the whole pandemic shutdown. Oh, I forgot about that, that one, yeah. Yeah, that one was pretty bad. Yeah, if you guys have seen Old Christian, and I haven't seen it yet, so uh, let us know below in the comments if it was good or bad. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down on it. Let us know. We like yeah. to hear any of the movies we cover. If you guys like it, man, jam on at the bottom as you watch along. Like, I loved old. It was good. The twist was. Don't spoil the <laughs> twist. We, we do intend to see it at some point. But, and, but, you know, uh, it's. Um, the uh, twist uh, is it was the number one movie is, is the twist. Surprised the hell out of me. Yeah. The number two movie was a movie I know you went to see. Uh, mm -hmm. Reese went to see. I haven't had a chance to yet. Snake Eyes. Yep. G.I. Joe Origin Snake Eyes with $13.3 million for the weekend. Uh, looking through, it looks like it uh, cost $88 million And, uh, you know, the scores aren't too um, good for it. It got 42% no. on Rotten Tomatoes, 43 on Metacritic. Real quick tone, what was your take on Snake Eyes? Definitely, it was it was enjoyable. Uh, the action was great. Uh, the storytelling was a little cheesebally. I think it was aimed more at teenage boys, teenage and younger. Not so much the G.I. Joe fan because they took liberties in the storytelling. They created their own thing. They didn't really follow. And kind of the ending twist was kind of silly, but... You know, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was fantastic, but I didn't think it was that bad. It was definitely a 50-50 movie. So uh, out of 10, I'd have to give it a a five because that's right in the middle. You know, it's okay. not it's not a piece of crap, but it's not great. It's just kind of there. It's worth one watch. Now, 
if you're a teenage boy, like I'm sure your son Reese loved it, right? You like oh, you enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, it's designed more for the younger audience, a teenage kid, young kids. The violence, like the action is there, but like the sword slicing and stuff, man, you hear the sounds, but you never see the visual blood. So it's it's good for the kids. It's a good kid movie. I just so so. So as long as I go in with low expectations, I shouldn't be too disappointed. Yeah, don't go in with your G.I. Joe-like fandom, like knowledge from what you knew as a kid to what you expect, because you'll be disappointed. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Well, moving on to third place of the weekend's box office, which we expected to be a little bit higher. Yeah. Marvel's Black Widow brought in another $11.6 million, bringing its domestic total to 154.8, worldwide 314.9. It's doing well for itself, just not as well as we expected of course that doesn't take into account the premier access numbers that uh, i'm sure they've got millions absolutely from that i I think that really hurts it i think your numbers would be so much higher if like people didn't have to go home especially with all the recent uh spikes in you know covid things like that it kind of might scare some people out so i think there's some things that hurt it and being i mean money wise i mean you think about 30 bucks a pop just to watch it that's pretty damn impressive it they don't release those numbers, but for the box office, that does hurt for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Fourth great movie, place. by the way, if you guys haven't seen that, go see that one. Agreed. Fourth place was, well, Space Jam, a new legacy, uh, brought another $9.5 million. Um, I haven't seen it. No desire uh, to see it. It's on HBO Max. Go see it there. Yeah. Just see that. Or, you know, it's surprisingly not bad. There's a free game and it's not video game time, but you can go on PlayStation, I think the switch and Xbox and you can download space jam, a new legacy for free. If you like an old, like Sega Genesis beat em up game, it's surprisingly okay. Interesting. It's free. Yeah. I would have thought they'd go with more like an NBA jam type. Yeah, no, it's totally, it's uh, Bugs Bunny, LeBron, and Lola are just in a beat-em-up, and then you collect Looney Tune characters as your power-ups, and they do special attacks on people. It's 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 weird, but it's free. But the movie looks dumb. I just, I have no desire. I'm like you. Again, if you guys have seen it, let us know. If you got young kids, I'm sure they loved it, but. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, in fifth place, we have Fast Nine, mm, Fast Saga, like four point six million dollars, just a popcorn flick, over the there's top. A, there's a lot of drama out of that one. Uh, the Rock took a shot on him and said, uh, "Yeah, I wish them the best of luck." I guess Vin Diesel critiqued uh, Dwayne Johnson's current movie choices, and he goes, "Well, that's okay. I won't be. Uh, you won't. Yeah, I wish them the best of luck. You're not oh. going to see me in any other one. So no Hobbs." Nope, he's not coming back for any of them. He straight up said that during a Jungle Cruise uh, junket. So, damn you, Vin Diesel! Yeah, Rounding out the top ten in the box office, you had Escape Room Tournament of Champions with three point four million, The Boss Baby yeah. Family Business with two point seven million, The Forever Purge with two point three million, a Quiet Place Part Two with one point two five million, and then Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain with eight. I still think you say that. I think it's going to be about legit the Roadrunner. Right. What a thought, man. There's a lot of Looney Tunes in the top 10. You got Space Jam and Roadrunner. And I expect that we're going to see a new number one this week with the Jungle Cruise coming out. Speaking oh, that for sure. Like that is a lock it down. That's your number one next week. And then you have uh, The Green Knight, which is a long delayed period fantasy. And then Stillwater with Matt Damon. Um, those The Green Knight looks not bad. Stillwater looks okay. I, I would predict those in like the top five possibly but uh, jungle cruise for sure is gonna be number one totally looks enjoyable well, 
that does it for the box office report. Let's go ahead and roll on into that movie news. And here we go. Are you the key master? Laugh it up, fuzzball. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. This baby hits 88 miles per hour. They're going to see some serious shit. Yes, you will, Doc Brown. Well, one of the advantages to uh, us us delaying our production of this episode was that we were treated to a new trailer, you know, for the namesake of this show, a movie that we've been looking forward to for a long time. And of course, they just released, uh, you know, the latest trailer gives a little bit more story, a little more insight into what we can expect from, well, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Let's give it a watch. You're a great mom. I don't know. I'm fine with Trevor. But with Phoebe. Finn. She really keeps me on the outside. That's normal. She's an awkward, nerdy kid. <laughs> Young Carol Danvers. New home could be an opportunity to start fresh. I just wish she'd get into some trouble. There's still time. What are you doing here in Somerville anyway? We're completely broke. And our grandfather left us this creepy old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Your father wasn't much of a homemaker. He could hardly ah, Ghostbusters! You're saying he left us nothing? Well, I wouldn't say nothing. You went with the station wagon? It's the only one that had an engine. Ooh, that's a nice throwback to the 84 movie. Holy. What is happening here? Somehow, a town with no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. Maybe it's the apocalypse. Egon came out here for a reason. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? You experience feelings oh, yeah. of dread in your basement or attic every day. Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Cool. You guys hear that? Something's coming. The whole city to the Walking Dead. Oh, oh it's like taxi one. I've watched that trailer four times now and still gives me chills every single time. Love it. I watched uh, today during the workout, I watched uh, McKenna Grace's, uh, who plays Phoebe. I watched her reaction. She hadn't seen the trailer, let alone any of the finished products, and she's filmed it. She goes, oh, my God, we look so cool. (laughs) Like her and me, obviously, because they're focusing on a younger group of Ghostbusters, but... Man, oh man, we knew it was going to be uh, like an Egon type story, but uh, man, some of the throwbacks, like where Finn is, uh, I don't know what his character, did he say Trevor is his name? Yeah, Yeah. so you got Finn's character Trevor working on the uh, Ecto-1. That's a shade back when uh, you go back to the 84 movie and they're in the firehouse and it's just the old you know, car before it was Ecto-1. Same thing, he's under there wrenching away, he had the cigarette in his mouth when Dana walked by. 
Yep. That was a pretty same shot for shot right there. I liked it. And this is where we go back from earlier when I said, when we talked about Superman with Michael B. Jordan, you can take a movie like this and you're still using all your source, original source. You're telling a whole new story while still incorporating the true original material. You're not rewriting it like that. That was the fault of Ghostbusters 2016. They tried to retell the story where they could have just done it as a continuation and it would have been fine. Like it probably would have been a lot better if they just would have said, yep, this is in the Ghostbuster universe. Yes, New York happened. Yes, this happened. And instead of retelling their own story, seeing that's what went wrong for them. So this is what Afterlife has got going for it, is they're being true to the source. Also helps that it's uh, Ivan Reitman's son, Jason, doing it. So yep. who? what bigger Ghostbuster fan than Jason? You know, the fact that it made his dad cry when they screened it, high hopes, man. Like, unfortunately, my expectation level for this movie is high. So yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited. This- this trailer opened up so many more questions. For instance, Janine, did uh, Spangler and Janine end up getting together and now she's the grandmother of these children? That's kind of the sense I get from this. That, that's course, the way I got. You saw one of the demon dogs, which alludes to either Zool or Vince Clortho, are one of them returning. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Yeah, and if anyone out there was wondering what the name of the other ghost that wasn't Slimer, that was Muncher. Um you know, and if you want to avoid spoilers, don't go look at the new toy line. They kind of give away a lot of the look of the new Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> so I unfortunately looked at it. I'm still excited. It doesn't make me not want to see it. But, uh, you know, I, I'm very excited for this movie. Like, I can't right. flip and wait. Like, I, of all movies this year, that's the one. That's the yep. one I've been looking forward to. That's the one I cannot wait for. Thanksgiving can't come quick enough. And then yeah, finally, folks, we head into our break. Uh, I wanted to touch on one more piece of movie news. Uh, according to creator Robert Kirkman, massive efforts are being made to make Invincible's live-action movie different from the Amazon Prime Video animated series. Four years ago, it was announced that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg would write, direct, and produce an adaptation of Kirkman's Goldberg! Green. <laughs> then a year later, Amazon announced the Invincible was being developed as an animated series with the same creatives attached. Similar to the boys concept, Amazon's Invincible is a more mature take on superheroes, which is arguably more violent than the former, thanks to the possibilities of animation. Um, The series, animated series, is fantastic. If you love sort of the DC Warner Brothers animated, you'll like these, and it ramps up the violence hugely. Um, A live action series will be a lot of fun to watch. And Tone, I know you haven't gotten on board yet, but uh, when you find some time, I, I highly recommend it. Well, I got some time now, which is good. Like a new shift change, uh, definitely have some evenings off now, which is pretty badass. So looking forward to it. I'll have to send you a whole list of what to get caught up on. There we go, man. There we go. (laughs) Invincible is one of them and the boys. Those are two. So many. Well, folks, that does it for this segment. When we come back, we're headed into video game news. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Well, folks, we are to the final segment of this episode of the Proton Pack podcast. We've been talking about San Diego Comic-Con at home, some of the highlights from that, some of the information on TV and movies that were released. But as you know, in this fourth segment, uh, we don't talk about TV. We don't talk about movies. We talk about video games. Hey, man, you want to play some video games? (laughs) 
Well, it's about that time that, uh, you know, we're getting back almost into football season. And Madden 22 rating season is officially underway with the Green Bay Packers' Devontae Adams revealed as its one and only 99 overall wide receiver, at least for now. Adams returns to the 99 club after another strong season that saw him reel in 115 receptions for 1,374 yards and an NFL-high 18 touchdowns. His stats were enough to earn him a near-unanimous first-team All-Pro selection, receiving 49 out of a possible 50 votes. This is not Adams' first stint in the 99 club. After starting at 94 overall in Madden 21, Adams steadily climbed in the ratings, finally reaching 99 overall in December. He's joined at the top of this year's list by DeAndre Hopkins, who has a 98, Tyreek Hill, who also has a 98, Stefan Diggs with a 97, and Julio Jones, who rounds out the top five at 95. Now, Madden 22 is set to be released on all of the major platforms on August 20th, just in time for the NFL season. And they don't give much here about uh, many changes that we'll see to the game. Uh, you know, Madden is a perfectly serviceable game. Uh, the graphics for me have always been uh, good, decent enough, but I always prefer the 2K games, their version yeah. of NFL. I wish they would come back with it. But right now, our only choice as far as football games is Madden. Yeah, unfortunately with EA, and my whole thing is who gives a rat's ass about the ratings I mean, seriously, who gives a shit? You can literally go in. If you take the time, you can take – think of the crappiest receiver on your team, which, as for the Broncos, we have pretty good receivers. But think of the crappiest receiver or running back you have on your team. You can amp them up to 99. Hell, we could take Drew Locke, and we can make him a 99 <laughs> on Adam. And guess what? He's a flipping superstar. It's a video game. Yeah. Who gives a rat's ass about ratings? This is the problem with matting is – them and their stupid fantasy MUT cards and to unlock veterans. Let me just play a game, make it different. If I can unlock legends playing along the way, fantastic. But why do I have to go online and buy these packs to get the Walter Payton pack or the John Elway pack? Who gives a shit? <laughs> it's the same game every year. And I love football, obviously, but right. the Madden games, they don't excite me. It's the same shit year after year. That's my rant. It's, these these money grubbing bastards at EA, they just they <laughs> whore out these two. franchises. Exactly. They whore out these franchises. They whip these out with these polished, nice graphics. But like you said, the 2K ones were always more fun. It's about the gameplay and stuff. And it I don't know. They make a big stink about who's on the cover and and all that stuff. And it's like, why don't you put what you did back in 2010? You had the Steelers, you had the Cardinals. So you had up front. You had big, you had Big Ben, and I believe Jerome Bettis on there, and then well, you, you got the previous uh, years. You had Warner head. and Fitzgerald. Yeah, have them match up on the cover, like it was yellow and red, and it was like for that year. And I think that's how it should be. The two teams that go to the Super Bowl, it should be the best lineup of their, you know, the superstars of each team, like in a showdown, kind of like a WWE, like you know those <laughs> right before their match and they're like posing. Yep. Should be something like that, and. That'd be cool. But anyways, the matting ratings, garbage. Who gives a shit? <laughs> and you and now Javante Adams at least will legit be a 99 because Rodgers came back. So exactly. good for them, bad for us, but oh well. Life <laughs> moves on. And Tony, you and I are casual gamers where, you know, we've got 20 minutes to pick up a game, play it, put it down. We don't have time to buy packs and, and build out teams and no. players throughout seasons and things along those lines. That's where a, a 2K game was fantastic. You pick it up, you play it. 
you go. Speaking of which, moving on to our next story, uh, EA is apparently not finished with basketball quite yet. While NBA Live went dormant in 2019, Axios reports that the sport giant is working on next-generation basketball games that could revive EA's fortunes in the space. We've got some next-generation HD basketball projects that we've been talking about and designing and working on, EA Sports General Manager Daryl Holt said. In this instance, high definition is shorthand for consoles, meaning next-gen platforms like Xbox Series X and S or PS5. If EA's projects reach fruition, they will be its first foray into the space of NBA since uh, NBA Live 19 was released in 2018. Since then, obviously, 2K Games has taken that over, making beautiful games. My boys have uh, NBA 2K on their iPads. I glanced over one day. I was like, oh, what game are you watching? They weren't watching a game. They were playing NBA 2K on their iPad on a mobile device, and it looked beautiful. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, the mechanics work really well. Um, uh, EA get, getting back into that game yeah, doesn't excite me. No, definitely does not. EA's a, again, pain in the ass, and they don't, they don't support the Switch. So you're not going to find mm. Madden, and you're not going to find NBA. You're not going to find their licensed games on the Switch, which is crazy to me because the Switch is just powerful enough to – to run all that it's not like it's the nintendo wii or anything like that you know you know it's not gimmicky you don't have to take it it's just smart take it on the go play it at home take it on the go more people would buy your games probably for that platform for the simple fact they can take it on the go i would yeah times that i'm traveling i'd yeah. love to play uh you know an nba a or quick round yeah the graphics switch. are beautiful though on the on the 2k uh, basketball game beautiful well Absolutely. done by them would love to see an nfl game and yep. hell I'd love to see uh, MLB uh, come back to them too. That was great. Although Sony does a really good job with the MLB license, the show, fantastic game. Way well done. Graphics, gameplay, everything about it, beautiful. Good to know. I may have to pick it up on And and EA doesn't own it, which is great. EA has nothing to do with it. It's just Sony, and they even were so nice, they even let it go on the Xbox, which is crazy, but... They put it out on Xbox this year. It's beautiful. Such a great game. Right on. And then speaking of the Switch and even Wii era, uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD was uh, recently re-released. Tony, mm-hmm. I know you picked it up. And with about a minute, give us your overall review of it. I know you haven't had a lot of time to dive yeah. deep into it, but what did you think? Yeah, so so Zelda hater, or Zelda lovers out there, don't hate me. I have not gone through this game and played it and. I didn't even play the uh, Wii version, to be honest with you. I think it was just out of my realm. Zelda games are dedication. So if you're going to pick up a Zelda game, don't expect like a Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, A Link to the Past, you know, the top down. That's more my Zelda style. This is more 3D. Graphics are beautiful. So they've really upgraded from the Nintendo Wii. So much like um, the... uh, uh, Super Mario Galaxy from the uh, Mario collection. They did a great job polishing it. It looks fantastic. The controls are not motion control this time. You have the option. That was the big gimmick with the Wii, so you can play with the standard controller. Uh, a lot of stories, you know, but of course that comes with Zelda. You got to talk to a lot of people to find your sword to get the game going. Uh, but once the game actually gets going, you know, the gameplay is fluid. It's nice. It, if you've never played it before, it's like playing a Zelda game for the first time. Graphics are not quite Switch quality, but it is. You can tell it's an older game. plays a little bit like that. But uh, for Zelda fans, definitely worth a pickup. For the casual gamer that doesn't have time, I'd probably say avoid. Uh, so, Christian, I wouldn't advise it to you. I don't see you playing a lot of time, but 
Zelda fans rejoice. It's a great game. Definitely a pickup, especially at Walmart where it's uh, $10 cheaper than everywhere else. So. Even better. Yeah, it looks like a fun game. Wish I had more time. Unfortunately, I don't. Speaking of being out of time, well, we're out, we're out of time for the show. So, folks, until next week, we'll see you. Tony, anything you want to leave everybody on? Yeah, you guys uh, definitely support the box office. Go out there, see movies. Let us know what you think. Anything we can do better, please let us know below. Like us, subscribe, share, love us, tweet us, whatever you want to do. Just support us. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Peace out. All right. See you guys next week. I am. Hasta la vista, baby. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Woo! Mommy? Where's Fluffy? Goodbye.